48 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to convince someone to watch that new TV show that you are totally obsessed with. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about the emotion attached to board games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Stuffed Fables and Herbaceous. Then, we talk about how we as gamers express our passion for the hobby and why that can be both good and bad. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word love. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. If you are listening to this episode on the day it releases, then this weekend we are going to be at MeepleCon in Las Vegas. Yay! We are very excited, uh, especially me, because... I help run the event, so I'm also slightly stressed, but not in a bad way. It's going to be really fun, and we're going to get to play games with the folks from the Meeple Overboard podcast and the Murph Brothers and the Dice Tower. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're very much looking forward to it. If you happen to be in Las Vegas at MeepleCon this weekend and somehow also found time to listen to this show, make sure you find us and say hello. <laughs> Last weekend, I got to play Stuffed Fables, which is a new game. It came out this year, 2018, from Plaid Hat Games. It's designed by Jerry Hawthorne. The art is by Regis Demi and Kristen Pauline. And Stuffed Fables is a two-to-four player cooperative adventure game where you're playing as stuffed animals protecting your girl against the monsters. Which is just at, adorable. At <laughs> so yes, cute. it is. It is such a cute game. There's little cute minis and cute art, and it's really cute. <laughs> I really want to paint the minis. But anyway, in Stuffed Fables, the mechanisms are pretty simple and streamlined. You pull dice out of a bag, and you use the dice to do actions. And certain colors can do certain actions, but simple actions like movement can be done with any color. So you're not stuck, not able to do anything on your turn. The board is interesting. It's a storybook board. So the game comes with this big book and each page is a different board. And there's a story on one side that's like says what's happening. And the story is well-written and engaging. We've only played story one so far. And we actually played the demo at BGGCon. And when we did the demo, the person didn't read the story. Oh. <laughs> but but now that I've played it with reading the story, it's it's so much better because like for example, one of the parts you're you follow these monsters out to and you're trying to get to a train. And the reason is because you're they grabbed your child's blanket and you're like trying to get it back. Oh. And so like but without that it's like why are you going here? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so it's really interesting because it's like a choose your own adventure type book. Well, but the adventure changes depending on how well you do. Like if you defeat a monster or if the monster gets away, it goes to a different page depending on how you did on that page. So far, I'm really enjoying it. I've just played the one chapter and I played with my friend's daughter who's six years old. Playing the whole chapter took about two hours, including setup and rules. So she was getting a little tired. I think uh, next time we'll split up the chapter into like a couple parts because I think that will be better for her attention span. But I think she liked it for like she was really into it the first half and then she was getting tired. But um, 
yeah, she wants to play again and I want to play again because I had a lot of fun too. That was stuffed fables. Yeah, I mean, a, a six-year-old's attention span, it, whether the, whether it's the middle of the day or wherever else, like two hours of doing anything for a kid yeah. that young, that's got to be a little bit tough. But so you would say this, who... Who's the ideal people to play this game? Like, I've heard some stuff online about whether a group of adults would enjoy this or not. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on who you think is this is best geared for. So it's probably best geared for parents and their children. But a group of adults could enjoy it if they're adults like me who like... <laughs> like for example i like disney movies and stories geared towards children uh and cute things so if you're you go into it expecting like a story driven game that's really cute if that sounds appealing to you as an adult then you could like it as an adult but it's definitely not like a heavy strategy game or like a super epic uh dungeon crawling game it's it's like a cute simple a story-driven game. So if you have if you have a bit of childlike whimsy in your mm-hmm. personality, that there's probably some fun to be had. Yeah. And then I guess the other question, I know um, this gets compared to Mice and Mystics a lot, which you have also mm-hmm. played, right? I've played it once a long time ago, so I don't oh. really remember a lot of it. Okay. But, my, but Toby did not like it, and he likes Stuff Fables a lot more. I think it might have been because Stuff Fables is more streamlined. Okay. And... Uh, but I don't really remember the gameplay of My Simple Mystics as much. So Okay, because yeah, I just last year played through the entire base game campaign of My and Mystics with a group mm-hmm. of adults. And my friend Elissa, who I've mentioned on the show before, uh, she's a second grade teacher and she has the best storytelling voice. Oh, yeah. So she read all of the story elements to us and I was literally like hand, like head in hands, <laughs> like just doe-eyed listening to her tell the story. But honestly, the game I did not like. Even though we played through the whole campaign and I enjoyed the experience because it was with my friends, Mice and Mystics, there were a lot of rules that were kind of unclear and the story had some parts of it that were a little bit weird and like not clear. And some of those scenarios were super hard. Like we were very intelligent gamers playing that game and there were scenarios that seemed nearly unwinnable unless we cheated a little bit. And... Also, if you get near, like, to the end of it and then you die, like, all your characters get knocked out, you, uh-huh. you have to start over. And when you had just oh, no. <laughs> trudged through, like, four rooms and it took you an hour and a half or two hours to do, you're like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so I'm curious about stuffed fables, but I'm a little hesitant because of my experience with Mice and Mystics. But I'm not going to discount it. It does sound adorable. Yeah. I can't speak to the difficulty of the other scenarios because I've only played the first story, but... Which is admittedly um, is probably yeah. on the easier side. Yeah, yeah. So we we got everything completed, like, well. And Toby died once, or collapsed once. Okay. But other than that, like, you, you can uh, bring them back to life by giving them your stuffing because <laughs> your stuffing is your life point. I know we've said the word cute a lot, really? but man, that's cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's real cute. <laughs> All right, so thank you. That is that was Stuffed Fables. I know we yes. said the name a couple times already, but just to bring it home. So I have been playing a kind of some of my, I would say old favorites, although this game isn't that old, but I've had it now for a little while and have played it a number of times. So last week at my game group, I brought out Herbaceous, which I've mentioned on the show before in some uh, other conversations like about board game art, but I've never actually discussed the game itself 
as far as I can remember. So Herbaceous is a small box card game published by Dr. Finn's Games and Pencil First Games and designed by Eduardo Baroff, Steve Finn, and Keith M. I'm not going to even try and <laughs> butcher his last name. And the art is by Beth Sobel, which I've mentioned on the show before, and I love her stuff. In Herbaceous, all of the players are trying to collect herbs to build their own personal herb garden. And each player has four pots in front of them that they can use to plant herbs, but you can only use each pot once per game. So what you're doing is on your turn, there's a draw deck in the middle of the table. You draw one card and you choose to either put it into your personal garden in front of you that no one else has access to, or the public garden in the middle of the table that everyone will have access to. Then you draw a second card. And wherever you put the first card, the second card has to go in the opposite location. So you're trying to decide, is this herb more valuable to me if I can only, if I can access it here, or do I want to stop somebody else from getting this card kind of thing? There's some decisions to be made. And you're trying to collect different sets. So you're trying to either collect herbs of the same type, herbs of all different types, pairs of herbs, or uh, special herbs, which can go into your glass jar. And the special herbs are worth extra points, but they can't be planted in any other pot. They can only go in your glass jar. So you are collecting the cards, and then at the very beginning of your turn, if you want to pot any herbs, you pick up all the herbs that you want to pot from both your pub, uh, the pr- public garden and your private garden and put them into one of your pots. And now that pot's locked. You can't do anything else with it for the rest of the game. So you only have four big decisions to make throughout the course of the whole game. When the deck runs out, the uh, everybody finishes potting whatever herbs they can that are in front of them, and then you count up points, and you get points based on how big the sets were that you collected, basically. So the points are different for each pot specifically, the one that has all the same herb, the one that has different herbs, etc. And most points wins. It's really quite simple as a card game, but it feels lovely because it's the theme is very, you know, whimsical and light. The artwork, of course, is beautiful, as I've mentioned before. And it's really easy to teach because mechanically it's so simple. It's literally draw a card, put it in a place, draw another card, put it in the other place. And that's it. So then the strategy is a little more in depth as to when you choose to pot. Like, do you push your luck and hope that those cards will be there by the time it gets around to your next turn? Or do you think somebody else is going to take the ones that you want before then? And should you pot less things now just to make sure you get them? So that's got some interesting strategic decisions, but it's so easy to teach. I love it. Uh, I have heard that they might be working on a dice game version of this and that intrigues me greatly. So I hope that that is the case. And I will definitely buy it if that is the case. <laughs> have you ever played Herbaceous? No, I have not. I saw it a lot last year, I think. And it looks really pretty, but I, I haven't gotten the chance to play it. It's a, gr- it's a good one. Like, oh, somebody else is going to show up in 20 minutes and we need to break out a game. So it's really good for that. And it feels... Like I said, it's kind of lovely and calm. Like there's, even though the decisions might be tough, it doesn't feel stressful at all. So I really like it for that reason. So that is Herbaceous. And that's spelled H-E-R-B-A-C-E-O-U-S, which is a real word, but a lot of people aren't familiar with it. (laughs) Oh, that should have been your etymology. (laughs) There probably isn't a lot of history associated with that. (laughs)
For this week's episode theme, we didn't want to touch necessarily on a genre of games, but more something related to the gaming hobby overall. And something that happened to me at work kind of inspired this a little bit. So a couple days ago, my coworker who sits right next to me, someone from a different department came over to her desk and was talking to her about something work-related. And then I overheard him say to her, hey, who was it that you were talking about that plays board games? And I literally, like my chair spun, my head popped up. I all but jumped into this person's face. Not really, but you know, like... Was, I, I made it very clear. We have an open office, no cubicle walls. He was very clearly could tell that it was me before she even said, oh yeah, that's Crystal. And he came over and I was like, that's awesome. You play board games? And I'm thinking, okay, maybe he'll tell me he plays, you know, some of the lighter games like Catan or Ticket to Ride because that's generally more common. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, my friends and I are playing through Pandemic Legacy season one. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And so then of course I went and I, you know, got real excited and was like, I have a podcast and I help run a convention and this and that. And I had that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being too intense. I need to dial it back a bit. I'm a little bit, little bit too much. So the, all of that to say, it has inspired our discussion today on the emotions attached to board gaming as a hobby and the passion that we have for this hobby and how it can be really good and also sometimes problematic. Like for instance, when you get in your coworker's face, I wasn't really in his face physically. For the record, no no personal space bubble issues there. But I felt like I was in his face informationally. <laughs> so that is what inspired today's discussion. The passion of board games, which we've been making jokes about behind the scenes. <laughs> because we're using the word passion and yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like that story because it seems like it's really exciting to find someone else that shares your love of board games and you can like talk to them about it and everyone's excitedly talking about a shared joy that you both have. I, I really enjoy that. I do too. <laughs> I think specifically, and whether it's in person or online, icebreakers are tough. And so when mm -hmm. you're trying to have a conversation with someone and you don't know anything about them, then you're, the conversation has to be peppered with questions about who they are Mm -hmm. Because you don't know, you don't have anything to talk about. If you immediately find out that somebody loves the same thing you love, or you're in a space where you know they love the same thing you love, like at a board game convention, for instance, yeah. because you already have a shared love, you instantly have things to talk about. And so it can be a really good way to break the ice and start conversing with somebody. And eventually you may get to know them on a deeper level if you become friends with them or whatever else, but it mm -hmm. kind of removes a little bit of that awkwardness that can happen, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm really bad at small talk. <laughs> like, I'm introverted. And like when people ask, oh, like, what do you do? Or like, what do you like doing and other things? And I I'm really bad at that whole like, oh, the weather is whatever <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to do See, Abby? oh the weather is great <laughs> no. but yeah i don't just like rattle off oh yeah board games blah 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 and then they're like oh, okay but but if someone else says oh i like board games too and then we can start talking about that and that's really fun <laughs> yeah. and it works for other hobbies as well it's the same thing yeah. if like you know, uh, one of my former coworkers at a different job I had also liked the television show Hannibal, and I did too. Mm -hmm. And she and I already liked each other. But then once we found that shared interest, we had more stuff to talk about 
other than work, which was just nice. Like it's it's yeah. fun to connect with a person about a thing in general. And so I think the passion can be really good. And that's why speaking out about the things you love can be a really good thing because like, how do I know that there aren't 50 other people that work in my building that love board games if I don't ever talk about them? And I get that yeah. people are hesitant to... Board games still kind of have a stigma attached to them for some people, I think. You know, they assume it's yeah. kid games or shoots and ladders in Candyland, which, you know, have their place in the pantheon and the history of board games, but it obviously is not what most board gamers are playing now. And so you kind of have to not only battle the potential stigma if you talk <laughs> about it, but like, then you have to also work, like, you're like, do I want to educate people about what board games are? And how do I do that without sounding snobbish or elitist or anything else like that? Like, I don't want to talk down to somebody who says they still love Candyland, for instance. Like, yeah. if I met an adult who said that they still love playing Candyland, and they didn't mean with their children. Because <laughs> I think all, you know, those kids games are great with kids. But I don't ever want to harsh someone's vibe if they love a thing. And I think as yeah. gamers, we tend to sometimes lose perspective on where we came from. Yeah, and I think that's a dangerous part of becoming too passionate about something is that if you're super into board games and then someone mentions like that they like Candyland or something like that you don't agree with, then like because you're so passionate about what you like, you might start arguing with them or like trying to convince them. And then they're just like, what? what? <laughs> Why are you saying that? That's definitely true. So yeah, like it also has the potential of driving people away if you're too passionate, um, depending on how the conversation goes. That's happened to me before with things other than board games. I tend to be mm -hmm. pretty passionate about the TV shows that I love. <laughs> I know y'all know this because I've been talking about Star Trek Discovery <laughs> on literally every, like all of the places I've been recently, all the other shows I've guested on have been like half talking about board games, half <laughs> talking about Star Trek. And I, if you don't like Star Trek or you don't want to hear about it, I'm sorry. I just love it so much. And I, I believe that there are a lot of people out there who would also potentially love it that don't know about it yet. And so I feel mm -hmm. like it's weirdly my duty to talk about it. So that's obviously kind of an odd way of looking at it. But if I don't tell people how much I love Star Trek and how really neat and diverse and wonderful it is, how will they know? You know, it's behind mm -hmm. a paywall. It's not on regular cable. They're not potentially ever going to see it. So I have to tell people about it. I just have to be more chill. And I, as a person, don't have a lot of chill. <laughs> I have very little chill, in fact, most of the time. I'm just so excited about all of the things. All of the time. I'm like a puppy, basically. <laughs> yeah, and then another thing with me, with things I like, if someone says they're not interested in it, then I get really sad. And I'm like, why Why? Were, why don't you interested in it? And I try to convince them that they are going to be interested in it. And that might be off-putting too. No, I get, I'm, I do the same thing. Like if somebody's like, oh yeah, board games, that sounds silly or whatever, or mm -hmm. I don't like board games. I my My initial reaction to that statement, I think would be, well, you haven't found the right board game yet. But that sounds really... Yeah. And I I mean, I, I said it with a snobbish tone intentionally. <laughs> but like, 
that can come off I mean, really douchey. <laughs> yeah, like that's what they'll hear, the right? The the snobbish yeah. tone. Like you telling somebody that they're wrong about their mm-hmm. own feelings is dismissive and not appropriate. And I think we as gamers, we don't intend to be dismissive with statements like that. We are trying to help. We mm-hmm. love this thing so much that we want to make to help this other person learn that they might love it too, but it sometimes comes yeah. off the wrong way. Yeah. There, there's a good XKCD comic that I like that's related to this. Uh, that we'll link to in the show notes? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's saying that they that he tries not to make fun of people for admitting that they don't know things because like even like really popular things, there will be a lot of people that don't know it and you could either make fun of them and then they won't talk to you anymore about whatever they don't know or you can introduce them to it and that's a lot better being able to introduce someone to something new. I've been trying to slowly introduce Ambie to all of my favorite 80s music since we started this podcast. Because every time I mention a song, I feel real old because Ambie doesn't know it. And I love 80s music. Like, I love obscure 80s music. So, like, it's normal that people don't know the songs that I know sometimes. But, yeah. And I don't know that many songs because I didn't really listen to music much. Which is... Other than Disney songs. And I think that's the thing with my brain. Sometimes I... Because you are so musically inclined, that my brain assumes that you know lots of music, which you do probably know lots of music, just not the same music as me. Yeah. And that's partially because I'm old. <laughs> I'm not old. That's I know people on the internet are like, you're not old, whatever. I know I'm older than Ambie, and therefore I have a different frame of reference. But you know what? I am. I'm going to continue your 80s pop music education as we continue the show. We'll get there someday. And uh, I know it's not it's not Disney, but it's 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 so good. <laughs> so but again, like there's a way I can approach that because there have been times where Ambie has said, like, I'll make a reference to a thing and Ambie will be like, oh, I don't know that. And my initial response will be something like, oh, gosh. And sometimes <laughs> there's been a couple times where Ambie thought I was making fun of the fact that she didn't know the thing when I was almost ev- exclusively always going, oh, man, I'm old every time. Because, <laughs> like, every time I make a reference to somebody younger than me and they don't get it, my initial reaction is, why don't you know that thing? It's. Oh no, I know a thing that people don't know. That means I'm old now. <laughs> My friend Elissa, who I mentioned earlier, we were at karaoke and I put on the song True by Spando Ballet. Half of you probably don't even know what that is listening to this, but I bet you've heard it before. You should Google it. True, Spando Ballet. Good song. You've heard it. You just don't know the name or the band. Uh, but she'd never heard it before because she's way younger than me. And so I played it at karaoke and sang it. And now every time I put it on at karaoke, she's like, yay, it's the song you love. And it's fun because <laughs> I introduced it to her in a good way. We've gotten a little bit off topic uh, as far as games are concerned. But I think this is an interesting discussion for us to have because mm-hmm. passion can be really good and it can be really bad. And it's hard to strike a balance. It's hard to mm-hmm. know where the line is, how far you should push up to it when you're talking about games or a specific game and when you should rein it in and pull it back. And for somebody like me, it's sometimes really hard to do that. When I'm excited about a thing, I it's, it's nearly impossible for me to go from super amped up to just average person. I'm going to, if I get deflated, I get pretty deflated pretty fast. And I think I need to learn more how to take, 
take it back a notch. Just a notch. Just, it's okay. <laughs> One other point that we wanted to address that I don't think we've brought up yet is where we've talked more about the passion when you're talking to people in person, but a lot of the board game community discusses things online. And I think sometimes people lose perspective on who they're talking to and the tone of what they're saying and the intent of what they're saying. And it can get kind of weird in an online discussion, even if everybody has good intentions. Yeah, like a big thing that you miss online is the tone and expressions. You can't see that someone's really excited to talk about something. And then... Um, or maybe they're being sarcastic. Yeah. Maybe they're saying, or, yeah. I <laughs> love so Monopoly. And they're being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. But if you're reading it online, how do you know? Like... Yeah. Or maybe they're not being sarcastic and then you interpret it as sarcasm. And so like, yeah, it's, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah. And I think when people yeah. get passionate in a discussion online, specifically about board games, but kind of about anything, I think people get so busy trying to force their point onto another person that they aren't even really listening to what the other person is saying back to them. Mm -hmm. Like you're just kind of talking past one another at a certain point. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, the passion is kind of what's driving that. It's, you're so emphatic about this thing and whether that's what you believe or the thing that you love that you just can't even see past what you think they intended to say or what they did say and you just it's yeah i think it messes up a lot of conversations online and conversations mm -hmm. devolve devolve on websites like board game geek or reddit or twitter all the time because people mm -hmm. aren't really listening to one another and since Ambie and I are both uh, moderators <laughs> on the board game subreddit, we have firsthand knowledge of how things can go real wrong, real fast. And I think the thing, at least for me and Ambie, you can say whether this is true for you or not. But the thing that I've learned most clearly from being a moderator on the board game subreddit is that most people have good intentions. And... Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that necessarily about the Reddit community as a whole, because there's a lot of parts of Reddit that are pretty bad and scary and awful. But I think the board game community specifically on a site like Reddit or Twitter or whatever, I think the majority of those people are really good people who have good intentions. And sometimes things just go awry and people, good people say very mean and hurtful things, sometimes without mm -hmm. even realizing it. Would you like, mm -hmm. do you kind of have any similar thoughts or? Yeah. And like, as a moderator with when you see like threads where people are commenting back and forth at each other all angry at, at you we come in not part of the thread and we can see both sides and it's easier to see that both people what their views are and like the, what they're thinking and they're just um sometimes they're thinking the exact yeah. same thing and yeah, still arguing about yes. it and that continues to baffle me <laughs> Yeah, so. I think some people just like to argue, maybe. <laughs> that's a whole other psychology that's discussion. Passion. That's their passion. All right, I like it. I think that's a good good uh, place to wrap this up. But we would love to hear from any of you out there. You know, why are you passionate about board games? How do you share that passion with others? Mm -hmm. And what do you think is good or bad in how other people have shared their passions with you? And do I talk about Star Trek too much? The answer is hopefully no, but I guess you can let me know if that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs>
In this week's etymology segment, we're going to look at the word that best represents how we all feel about board games. Love! The word love can be traced back to the Old English word lufu, which meant a feeling of love, romantic attraction, affection, or friendliness. That word came from the Proto-Germanic lubo, which was also the source of the Old High German liubi, which means joy, and the more commonly known today German word liebe, which literally means love. There are also similar words found in many other languages, including Old Norse, Dutch, Old Saxon, Old Frisian, and Gothic. It seems that of all of the words and concepts that are universal and timeless, love is clearly one of the strongest. That must be why we like board games so much. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Grey Fox Games. Make sure to pick up a copy of the newly released expansion to Deception, Murder, in Hong Kong, Undercover Allies, which adds a lot of new content to the game. Grey Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to show us a little love, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Just head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our patrons get a lot of benefits, including access to our private Slack channel where you can chat with us directly anytime. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Barrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Check out the other shows in the network by visiting dicetowernetwork.com. Until next time, I love games, games love me. Why am I singing Barney? Bye, everyone! Bye! We are in MeepleCon at Las... We are in MeepleCon. <laughs> I'm just going to start over. Okay. Oh, it's already gone off the rails. Oh, no. I can't. It's all Tom's fault. I blame him. Starts off with a blooper. Oh, bloopers. Okay. That's that's happened to me in things related to other... Yeah. <laughs> That's going so well. I know. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> you wanted bloopers? You got bloopers. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Make sure to pick up cop the bet. I love it. I'm glad I'm not the only one that makes those noises. <laughs> Make sure to pick up a copy of the newly released expansion. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I probably worded it We're poorly. Done. <laughs> okay. This. <laughs> I'm just messing. We're not allowed to record at night. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Psst. Hey, Ambi. So there's there's a few people that have stuck around after the bloopers, the very very end of the episode. We should we should give them a little something extra. What do you think? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so I want you to tell them three things that you're passionate about that they might not already know. So not board games, not Disney, the stuff the stuff they already know. Not 18xx. Not 18xx. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's go let's go a little deeper. Mm. Okay, three things. One is anime, which is Japanese animation. <laughs> I watch a lot of anime. Uh, two is Kirby, the Nintendo character from the video game, not the vacuum cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> um, and three is Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Fun fact, I have a friend here in Vegas who named her son Rohan. So, Ooh. yeah, that's a deep cut there, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, they call him Ro, and it's adorable.
What are three things that you're passionate about that we don't already know? So not Star Trek? Not Star Trek. <laughs> uh, okay, so I love the Portal video game series. Oh, yeah, me too. I still am someday hoping for Portal 3. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I really hope it does. And I love the Jonathan Colton music that accompanies the Portal games mm-hmm. as well. Jonathan Colton's great. I just threw that in. It doesn't count. Uh, I am passionate <laughs> about waffles and breakfast food in general, uh, especially bready breakfast foods. Waffles, pancakes, cinnamon rolls, all that stuff. So good. But waffles specifically, I might have my heart. Mm. And I'm passionate about Weird Al Yankovic. Which I feel like is a little more trendy nowadays than it used to be. <laughs> but I've been a fan of Weird Al my whole life. And I get to see him and meet him. I have a VIP experience coming up <laughs> at the beginning of April. And I'm very excited to meet him for the first time. Because I've been to his concerts like eight times so far. So wow. yeah, he's the, I've seen him perform live more than anyone else. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for sticking around, loyal listeners. Or just letting this play out on your podcast player. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye for real this time. Bye.